0: okay i don't know what happened there i think something was supposed to happen hello welcome to the no holds barb witchcraft podcast um this is going to be a a slightly weird kind of podcast because there is a podcast title but i don't really actually remember what it was i just remember chris you and i was having a little conversation earlier about triangles again because this is your favorite shape and that, so can you um, remind me what thing. we were Well, you go off on one about triangles. I mean, it would be in a bag of your favorite things, wouldn't it? There'd be some charm bags in there, some triangles in there, bit of war yarns, that sort of shit, you know?
1: You're such a brick.
0: Mar- Mary Poppins' carpet bag would be full of that sort of thing if it was your carpet bag.
1: No? I don't think that's true no so you
0: wouldn't have if you have mary poppins carpet bag you wouldn't have a sewing machine in there or an overlocker or any war needles or triangles or anything now
1: all of those things apart from triangles you're making trying to use that as an argument to make triangles my thing triangles aren't my thing they okay. just, it's one of those universal connection points isn't it the triangle where three things come together
0: It is a universal shape along with the circle and the square that they teach you in nursery school. You know, when you've got to squeeze all those little shapes in the right shape, but actually they all go through the square hole. And it really annoys the teacher when you put all of them through the square hole. You know that? Yeah. I was one of those people that put it all through the square hole. And I look at her straight in the eye whilst I was doing it, (laughs) and (laughs) smiled because that's the kind of child I still am.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, it's definitely the kind of adult you still are.
0: Right, okay, so uh, not having the intro music has all kind of kerfuffled my brain up, so let's just continue where we left off with what we were talking about earlier. So you've got a spell crafting class that you're teaching and you're combining the triangle of manifestation with the planetary magic occult kind of ceremonial, magic-y kind of cabalistic kind of thing with our little spell triangle that we normally use to teach for a spellcraft. And you said about obviously three points, three concepts, three parts, components of a spell, try and uh, you know, assign a planetary correspondence to each one. So what have we arrived at transmuting our spell casting triangle into a planetary spell casting triangle? The slow kids won't follow along with this, but oh well, it's no old (laughs) spart.
1: So yeah, so I was trying I was trying to see if there was a way to naturally line up the kind of kabbalistic planetary triangle of manifestation with our kind of you know fire triangle of spell casting that we used to explain to the absolute beginners because they're used to it which is again is why i like the triangle um is because that kind of fire triangle when you're told how you know how fires happen that kind of very kind of um simplistic, but has depth and has a possibility for depth. Um, that is there with that kind of triangle shape. So I was trying to see if there was a way, because this isn't like a normal workshop where they're just coming to see me, it's, it's in a moot arrangement. Right. So obviously you've got people of different ability levels. Um, they're not coming to necessarily learn that. So I kind of want to use it as a start for bigger discussion i suppose and actually wanting it um the interesting thing is in terms of time will be this will come out the day after i've done the session so no one can cheat oh. and listen to what i've said uh, ahead of time um but anybody that was there can kind of fact check against what i was originally thinking so i, I imagine this screws me anyway but the um so, yeah, so kind of going with that triangle that we talk about, so the kind of spell triangle of kind of like power on one side, um, intentional focus on the what, then another side, and then the journey of how it gets through the two things, bringing them all together. I was trying to see whether or not I could apply the, um, the three planets of the kind of Kabbalistic planetary um, triangle of manifestation and see if they overlap comfortably um because obviously they are like you were saying earlier that they're like they're very different concepts really because with the planetary part you're talking about three concepts coming together rather than methodologies so you're kind of talking about three Um, the amalgamation of three core concepts bringing together and manifesting something Um, whereas obviously i'm i guess i'm talking more about with the spell triangle you're talking about manifestation of a a goal or a not necessarily the entire working if that makes sense
0: yeah, so the three planets or planetary spheres or spheres of influence or sphere whatever you want to call it that we'd be talking about would be Mercury, Luna, which would be the moon, and Venus. And all of those things, each of those are like Mary Poppins' carpet bags, and they're all full of huge debt. And all sorts of crazy ass stuff and concepts and things. The basic spellcraft in triangle we use to explain, like how in primary school they used to teach you how fire starts and the things that need to be in existence or the things that need to be there, the conditions and such for a fire to start. We try to teach that and break that down for magical spellcasting, the basics of magical spellcasting, which I think we both use slightly different words. And we both tend to change those words to keep and make sure people are paying attention. So the one I tend to go for is the three points that you need for a spell to work would be intention. So an understanding of what it is you want to happen. You know, I want more money is an intention. I want money, 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 money. I want to get rid of this disease or symptom is a I want that, that I want. OK, that's what you want, the outcome that you want. <gasps> reason for doing the spell is the intention. That's your intention for doing the thing. The next we have is the journey. OK, which also includes time. Remember, so how do I want it to happen? How do I want to get this money? Do I want to win the lottery? Is that a lottery spell? Do I want to inherit something? Do I just want to pull opportunity to make money? Foundation of how the spell works and now going into I know what I want, but how do I want it to manifest the route to manifestation and of course time factors in which is very important because I want to make sure that this is happening within a certain amount of time. I don't want to do a many spell and in another 50 years it manifests I might need it by the end of this week so I can pay the bills or something you know. And then the last one would be the energy because at the end of the day like we've said before If your intention is to get to the end of the road, and the way you want to get to the end of the road is via driving in your car, your car needs fuel. You know, you sat in that car, jigging the steering wheel, trying to get to the other road, end of the road, is literally that intention and that journey part where you're steering and that but there is no fuel there is no power source nothing's actually giving it the to make the spell happen and that is the energetic component so we're trying to marry those free up journey intention and energy with the corresponding lower planets lower things and we've agreed that they do fit into each one of those and I know you obviously do the triangle. So do you want to confuse them a little bit and and change any of the words? Because <laughs> I just gave my one that I normally explain.
1: Yeah, no, I uh, uh, we struggle with the word intention because of what that that tends to get conflated nowadays. So I kind of swap the word intention often for focus. Um, magical and, plebs and, and... have ruined
0: it. Just say it how it is. The magical plebs have ruined. <laughs> word intention because they believe magic is all about the intention when we know it is not
1: and then energy obviously is interchangeable with the word power which is what i tend to use power source Mm. fuel uh whatever you want to call it so yeah so i kind of started to think and i struggled and the reason i brought it up with you this morning Liam, was more a case of is is my (laughs) is my bias showing so because i wanted to put power or that kind of energy field where that is coming from the kind of creative spark i put in venus so i was kind of like if that was the case i didn't want that to be a a bias from my point of view because i tend to be more venusian um and i was half expecting you to argue with me and say no no it needed to be in mercury um just to show your bias but actually It sounded like you were kind of agreeing with me.
0: No, I agree
1: with you, I think entirely. So, um, and then, yeah, so for me, it would be kind of the marrying up of the kind of power center, the creative force behind the spell, whether or not that be pulling from uh, plant allies or, you know, or using um, ingredients as a raw power source if that might be your creative mind part of that connection between your conscious and subconscious kind of point um whatever those things that you use it to power i'm kind of seating that with venus um and then the opposite end um for the mercury part i've kind of gone for that kind of focus that intention that the mechanics of it that kind of how what what your kind of current goal your direction the controlled aspect is kind of what um, I kind of feel is the kind of mercurial part and then obviously both of those energy within powers would have to go through Luna in order to get to the planet you know get to Terra to get to the physical realm so therefore kind of pulling those two through that would be the journey aspect so the you know the how it's going to play out what order it's going to go in um because obviously particularly when people first start doing spells they don't that's the one they tend to control the least because they don't seem to know how things will naturally play out you know how we constantly talk about you know um magic will use the most energy efficient and most direct route of making and joining up kind of Mercury and Venus. So, and that kind of play out, that kind of mythos or um, storytelling happens through the kind of lunar realm, through the kind of astral, in pulling it through the astral into the physical. So, yeah, so I kind of feel like I married them up nicely. Obviously, like you say, these are oversimplifications for what those three, um, you know bags of tricks the three planets are but i think they kind of pull that kind of downward triangle pulling through that energy into manifestation which is i think the part that i don't hear very many people talk about is that kind of pulling of those slightly higher energies through the the other um there is a kind of another way I want to talk about them Whether how you feel about this, Liam, because I might be oversharing um, and we're obviously not in the paid, the paid for section yet, but I might hint at it and then you can kind of see uh, what, um, whether or not we c- go through my thought process or if we hide it and change the subject. So when I start to think about, because obviously you've, we've talked about it before, planetary is not my natural way to think of how um, magical constituents come together mm. it's been a new foyer for me over the last couple of years since we've been teaching uh, together that yeah. i've started to see the kind of merit there is for the kind of neutrality shall i say of the Kabbalistic planetary system that allows you to kind of map anything on them because they're not they're not dictated to by any kind of um, specific pantheon, etc. So I quite like their kind of neutrality. Um, so I kind of i've I've learned to lo- to love it slowly, because um, obviously I would go through the more convoluted, more venusian way uh, of looking at it through the zodiac, because that makes more sense to me um, from my lofty position. Um up in Neptune. But that's that's just how my brain operates. Um so so yeah, so I've I've kind of had to get down and dirty and find a clean method of doing so. Um and you presented this this carbalistic method, which has slowly absorbed and I've you know made it just as convoluted as my zodiac system and probably looks nothing like what you introduced me to, Liam. But you know, at the end of the day. I think it's been quite good but in our um mentoring sessions a lot of the things we'll do we talk about scratch scratch testing a lot and i quite i've got quite used to using the kind of planetaries as a good place and we'll often ask students to or mentees rather to um map the soul and they all have very different ideas about it. But one struck me recently, which is not what what the actual mentee said. But I did think about it in this way, um, which completely, again, convolutes the system because they liked to think of things orderly, don't they, of going up or down yeah. said carvolistic system. Yeah. And this kind of complicates matters, but actually goes a lot closer to hashtag um vagina soul um (laughs) i've actually explaining what i'm i I just think what triggered what i'm about to say which is i quite like looking at mercury and venus so above the astral obviously which is where most people will put in lunar um but above those technically because you look at it as going up you see kind of mercury and venus above it and to me those kind of split naturally into the kind of left right left brain and kind of going with that kind of logic and um creativity that aspect so to me i kind of i put the kind of conscious and the unconscious mind up there above the astral which would confuse the shit i imagine out of most people but i'm going to as it's no holds barred i'm thinking i'll throw it out at you and you can decide whether or not we actually carry on having this conversation or if we change the subject altogether
0: so we did a very simple podcast on this and by very simple people are still asking questions and scratching their heads over it it was called the weaving planets Podcast where Kabbalistic mm-hmm. planetary magic meets textiles magic and it went down as quite a popular one. Um, this to a certain extent could be seen as an extension of that, and it's gonna be very difficult because now we rel- we go into the realms of having to have specific conversations about specific areas of magic for a very specific lens, and that isn't very, you know, conducive to everyone being able to follow along but it is no holds barred and that is the nature of this show for most people i mean there are still people that ask whether they need a black cat candle in order to do a lucky hex on someone a lucky hex what's a lucky hex well luck spell combined with a hex take your unlucky nature and Give it to someone else because it's a and hexane- Yeah, see multiple levels. Blah blah blah. Anyway, we're now going into something specific. So specific. Now the whole idea of the Kabbalistic tree is the balancing system that you fill in the blank that you understand it is a symbol, and like all symbols, it's very very layered and very deep. Now, Chris and what he's explained talking about the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere of the brain. Anyone that understands basic psychology and neuroscience would probably understand that left hemisphere, right hemisphere. It's displayed on the tree. So on the tree of life, you have Terra, the physical body In the physical body. Of course, we have left hemisphere, right hemisphere because it's our physical brain. But then we have the next layer, which is obviously the astral body. The astral body and we're now dealing with when we're talking astral body and above we're talking with the greater aspects of people and although these are still low aspects they're greater as in they exist outside of the physical plane so we consider them to be greater now you can see on the tree of life that there is a line that links the physical world with Venus and the physical world with Mercury as a kind of nod to what Chris has just said It is a line, a pathway towards understanding and that is a path that a magician, magical practitioner, witch, whatever can use. Now when we talk about magic and accessing magic and making the magic happen, there are many routes to that, there are many paths to that and many magical systems. The most common of which is to use the psychic pathways, the house of the psychic. which would be the lunar house, and that pathway between the physical body, the mind and the unconscious, the dream state, all of that to get to the astral body. However, when we look at other magical practitioners, they don't use that necessarily. Artists that lose themselves in their art and channel art, they aren't necessarily going through the psychic doorway. They're going through more of a Venusian current, the artist, the Venusian current, the person that understands the deep depths of the mysteries from a scientific mathematical perspective. They're going purely for a mercurial lens, for a left hemisphere of the brain. And you can see that in the tree. Now, what we're talking about with the triangle of manifestation from a planetary perspective is how cool and brilliant and amazing a magical practitioner could be if they got that left hemisphere pathway mercurial pathway. They got that Venusian, beautiful in-depth flow, creativity, current that you lose yourself in, Venusian pathway. And they got the the psychic pathway, you know, all together, equally on the same phone, you know, linked them all together and were balanced. That is a amazingly powerful magical practitioner with many tools in their arsenal. We don't see many practitioners like that, I don't think, Chris, because people have a natural bias and it's about improving that natural bias. Now, because we are the type of people we are and we like to delve ever deeper down rabbit holes, we start off explaining spellcasting and basic spellcasting through the macrocosm, microcosm kind of jig it in the astral world it'll manifest in the physical world but actually there are multiple layers to that we normally teach the basic spell casting triangle from spell casting manifestations that kind of intention journey energy slash power thing but we want to go deeper today and this is a little bit more deeper there's a little bit more depth to this so I'm not entirely sure where you wanted to go but so far I think we're all on the same page I think when it comes to the planetary perspective when it comes to teaching it's having a system that's simple enough but also adaptable enough for multiple people to have a conversation at a higher level which I believe that's one of the best things within the Western magical tradition that we've kind of adopted and we use. From a cheating perspective, from a magical practitioner's perspective, you've obviously done a lot of work for yourself and a lot of work for other people. And unfortunately, that's like the magical practitioners, witches, is in that of the past, because you do the work, and the mundane just sees what the mundane wants to see. You know, they just see mad, Chris, he made some magic happen. You know, they see you operating on a very high level. Well, that's the problem. They don't see you operating on a very high level. They just see any slight small things that you do in the physical. And learning magic, you can't jump them straight to the high level. <laughs> They've got to already be operating there. And is that rickety, scary looking bridge or ladder or whatever you want to call it that is building a way of navigating to get to really higher levels of magic, that advanced forms of magic. We have to go through the foundational levels and then through the intermediate levels. And it's not, unless we decide to do that for shits and giggles, generally you operate on the level that is the most economical or the one that you want to operate on. And the higher the level that you have access to, you know not everyone can follow that and not everyone can understand it so i don't know where you want to go with this i knew we were kind of sticking to the low triangle so the mercury lunar venusian current but we can go beyond that if you'd like but i think i'd be fascinated to do a little bit of a chat about how you in your mind feel you know the basically the how you're going to teach something like this to a room full of people and it was essentially probably a pub um but we're doing that on the patreon because just in case you know we want to go into any personal kind of things but. the
1: so the, where my brain is at the moment because there is no way i think when you describe this as a kind of sequel to planetary mm. uh, weaving planets I imagine most people thought, oh, that means they'll focus on those upper triangles they'd hinted at. Whereas actually, I think actually <laughs> weaving planets has proven one thing above everything else, which is they aren't ready for those upper upper triangles quite yet, um, based on the fact that how popular that one has become and how many times people have had to re-listen to that one in order to kind of get somewhere with it. Um So I kind of really want to solidify that kind of lower triangle that, you know, if you're attempting to ever even consider being an intermediate practitioner and kind of graduating from beginner, Mm. um, you really need to have bloody mastered um, that uh, manifestation triangle at the bottom. Um, Obviously, to kind of blow people's minds a little bit more, but give no further explanation is really we forget when we look at the tree of life a lot of the time, or at least people do, um, that we are <laughs> we are describing something multidimensional yeah. in a two-dimensional way, um, which makes people kind of go, oh, well, you know, I can see the up-down aspect of it. But are they actually seeing that, you know, from a manifestation point of view, that triangle becomes a prism? As, yeah that kind of triangle rather than you looking at it kind of front on then kind of flips upwards and the the downward um the downward part comes into where terror meets all of those three points um even though we talk about it kind of going through luna we don't actually mean it in a direct kind of two dimensional way mm. of watching it filter down through it's just the way in which these multiple triangles all come together in order to manifest at the base. Um, and people often see, you know, that little um, little multicoloured square that reminds me of Ludo that's okay. normally positioned at the bottom um, in, in the kind of Terra module. And actually they kind of look at it and they go, oh, it's a square of four triangles and you're kind of like, well, no, it's a multidimensional prism that you're looking down at um, where all these these triangles are kind of meeting together of those those four um, basic ass elementary representations of terror um, are all being viewed from a different viewpoint, which is you as creator, as manifester looking downward upon um and the energetic part that's going from the astral down into the kind of terror aspect that kind of transmutation part where thought energy etc is all colliding to bring manifestation forth and then i think that kind of point you won't i won't be able to push until we cross the the rubicon as it was
0: (laughs) Well, some people would say we're about to cross over the abyss, but they'll know, actually, if they're on the other side, that it was merely just a vow, and the abyss is much higher. <laughs> so that's it for the regular edition of the No Holds Bar Witchcraft podcast. If you want to listen to us talk more, go on the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon, which they're now on, so we can have a free discussion about this. Now, you said that you are explaining this, uh, doing a little class for a Moot. Which yeah. mood is this? Is this one of the shit ones where voodoo dolls are only used for healing and no. sick? No. Or is this? This,
1: this right. is my favorite one. This okay. is my favorite local one that we may be having a visitor from someone that really irritates me online who just launched the, the Pagan Society. You know, that thing I was going on and on about uh-huh. weeks ago? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, its founder is supposed to be attending this one.
0: Ah, so, so you, want to part, you want to the show show up so you decided me. to do a basic class <laughs> yes that's very chris there's some <laughs> idiot that's coming how do you want to show them up i know i'll teach a course on basic magic and they won't understand any of it or look like <laughs> a frat and then i can smile sweetly in the corner all smug like I'm yeah. seeing now, this is making me understand on levels I did not before understand, which hopefully we'll get at least a couple of people by the end of this podcast also <laughs> saying the same thing. Ideally, not about Chris's behavior when it comes to how he conducts himself when interacting with <laughs> members. <laughs> well, more about like multi-dimension, uh, multi-dimensional magical, you know, theoretical practice and structure and such, ideally speaking, but who knows? They might just love the gossip. They might not care about the, uh, you know, smart bits, let's say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so my, my hope is that I can essentially bring something to the table for everybody there because there's going to be a mix of people. It's a very mixed group, which is why I love them, um, where they all practice very different kinds of magic. obviously the only thing that connects them all is they're all pagan which means they tend to adopt as you well know the kind of new age wiccan approach to practice if they practice at all so not everybody there are practicing witches but all all of them are Um, but occasionally you'll have the kind of newbie witch there and obviously one of the newbie witches that arrived last time um She's kind of re-approaching witcraft after attempting it when she was young, not really getting it. And now she's kind of, you know, 10 years later, kind of wants to actually go, I think I'm ready now to actually approach it. Um, Which, you know, I think is wonderful because lots of people practice and practice and practice for 10 years, not getting on with it, learn nothing. but still tell everybody they've been practicing for 10 years. Whereas, you know, this, this girl's kind of gone, this isn't for me. It's not clicking right now. I'm going to try again in the future. Um, And now feels like she's in a good place to start that. So she has asked me quite recently, um, you know, I'm a complete beginner. I just want to absorb everything. You know how they do, Lim. I just want to absorb everything. Not sure what I actually want to do yet. Um, that sort of thing so obviously our answer to that often isn't it is well you've got to start somewhere so start with some basic ass spell work a charm bag or something like that so essentially this is going to be a charm bag class um, where I've already said if you're coming um, have a thought about what you're wanting to achieve and bring some random items with you and then we can kind of discuss them Um, kind of see what people think about correspondence that sort of stuff kind of you know hopefully break that away Um, and obviously then start to talk about how magic works and obviously then hitting them with the you know this is how we kind of teach to beginners which is the triangle and then if you take it to the next level and start thinking about the actual planetary aspect of that so if you were to actually look at it from a neutral because that's the other part i uh, like i said with planets i find them very neutral way of approaching it so regardless of what these people's personal pantheons are i'm not going to have any issue of you know you can be a jesus lover or someone who hangs with loki it's not going to make any difference um because they don't think those are similar, but obviously, you know, um, this way, if you approach it from a neutral standpoint, they're not all gonna go suddenly. Well, I thought we weren't talking about, you know,
0: yeah, I, I completely agree, which is one of the reasons why I always adopted this as a method of teaching. I mean, you can talk to people from, you know, that like the kind of Greco-Roman ideas and they assign planets to God's goddesses, but at the same time, I've crucified Jesus on the cross of the tree of life and explain crucifixion mystery in the form of planetary magic and vice versa. And people get it instantaneously because they're using their mythology, their mythos, and you're just applying it on the tree. And then all of a sudden they understand it very quickly, which is the whole point of this, which is great. But at the same time, unfortunately, I like to see people go away and actually use the information to make a magic happen, which we just don't see that many people attempting to. Um, So your moot then, take us through this. So you're you're gonna have the moot, there's gonna be a couple of people of mixed abilities on there. Now, I think, from back in the day, you'd have taken an academic approach of making the perfect kind of lecture and writing it all up and all of that, picture slideshow, that sort of stuff. But since we've been doing this work, that approach seems to have changed, whereas everything's got to be kind of organic. And I think also, I think that in situations like that, when we do public lectures as well in classes and stuff, you know everyone's eyes have to glaze over at some point or you haven't fulfilled your teaching requirements. So people tend to think, I wanna get someone on board to this level and they'll they'll produce a lecture that gets everyone on that board to that level. But when you're teaching a mixed ability class, if you're giving a public lecture, then this is gonna be mixed ability. You need to understand that out of the 10 people that are there, five of those people may have never cast a spell. Two of those people may have a lot of experience casting spells, but not really understand much about the deeper mysteries. And another couple of those people might be very, very higher level. And the the idea for, I think, great teaching, great lecturing is that you need to, to get and give all of those people something and we I don't see that a lot with a lot of lectures these occult conferences and stuff like that they say what we'll do is we'll stick to the very basics and then anyone that already knows that is a good refresher for them and I disagree with that entirely I think look the first five minutes talking about the spell casting triangle and applying it to magical spells and shit you've got the five people there that they'll get that and they'll walk away with that and they'll be able to use that everything else on top of that the extra 45 minutes in your lecture say potentially might go white right over their heads but i always feel that you should be going over the heads of every single person you teach in a class by the end of the session so everyone walks away thinking i did not know that or i did not understand that part and it's just a case of the better you are with magic, the more you know about the subject and experience and stuff, the, the, the most amount of time in that hour lecture, you might get there for 50 minutes and understand all of it, but that last 10 minutes was like a head fuck. You know, I prefer that. I think that that is a bit more like our No whole Barred Witchcraft podcast. I think that's a little bit like the ramblings and stuff we do. And I'm wondering, are you going to take that approach, the approach we normally take, or are you going to try and go academic? And are you going to try and put the perfect lecture on for the beginner? Because it will be mostly beginners, I would imagine, it, it, somewhere like that. I don't,
1: I don't think it'll, it'll be the perfect lecture. In, to me, it's more a seminar. The way we kind of work now is more seminar orientated now anyway. We very rarely lecture. Um, we might start a day with one but the rest of the day isn't going to be kind of workshop or seminar isn't it yeah. so kind of me I, st- I want it to be practical because that's that's kind of how I want it you know how I think these things should be so I've, t- I've asked them well I haven't but the the mod of the group has, has asked them um, that if you come in I want you to have given this some thought know what you're wanting to achieve and then what I'm probably going to take with me um, is just some, bit, you know, my travel kit I'd take that has just kind of got, you know, scraps of fabric and, um, and some string and maybe some stones and some essential oils and whatever, so that if they have arrived and they haven't brought anything with them, they can still have a go. Um, but I want to kind of have a, a discussion, a base discussion about ingredients and kind of going what is your understanding of ingredients and what how do they interact with your spell working because you know you'll have some that go very much straight to the oh it's all representational magic blah 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 etc etc and actually not think of them as living breathing things Mm. um you know particularly when it comes to gemstones you know people don't think about what they are what they're for Um, you know i don't know who we were talking about talking to earlier today but uh, or talking about but we would you know this whole concept of cleansing oh i think it was your not a book review um you know this whole concept of cle- you know cleansing stones and you're kind of like it's a story so what are you cleansing why are you cleansing it are you assuming that it's picking up everything it's ever been because obviously that piece of jade has probably got um you know like we've joked about before a fracture of a soul of some poor thing that died mining a bastard you know it (laughs) might be called jade (laughs) is this why is this why we're cleansing jade Um, because you want to get rid of the the bad juju that's on the bloodstone that you've chosen to take? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, is it that? Is there a kind of, it needs to be sterile in order to be worked with? Because to me, I'd leave Jade's soul in there and I'd use it as a power source to absorb, obviously use, you know, waste not want not. I don't believe in cleaning something that has... You know, when that grit has a purpose and or a usefulness about it, I'd want to use whatever's already in it. If that's if somebody's picked up or let's just say several hundred people have picked up that stone, um, put it back down and decided not to buy it in your local in your local witchy store, New Age bollocksy store, that they've picked that stone up. You just think all that kind of, you know, metaphorically touch dna that's on it that could actually potentially link all of the people that have ever touched that stone and just take a drop from everybody they wouldn't notice it but equally would your average practitioner be able to even see those links to all the people that it's had access to before because when you start to think of gemstones as living rock you know has the potential to have held life which is one of the reasons that we use minerals and and plants and etc And animal you know animal mineral um vegetable you know those kind of or herbal yeah. they all hold life the whole point of using them is because they hold life therefore they are capable of holding energy um so actually why would you eliminate that, you know, bleach something clean? Because then you've got to start from scratch. I just, so, yeah, it was something I didn't want to bring up during the Not A Book review because it it would have taken us off on a tangent that wasn't right. But when you start to think about manifestation and start to think of those, those three aspects of building that spell work, you want to take as much of everything as possible. But what most people tend to do is not assign a leader or not assign a direction in which something needs to go. that kind of focus, that mercurial aspect is what people don't often comprehend enough. They kind of accept the loony bit, the journey, they kind of accept that that will take its, you know, and they'll try and predict what that direction will be. Um, And they assume they know what the Venusian part is, that raw energy. They assume, well, it's got power in it, um, but not necessarily understand the extent at which the power will get them. So they think they're using the rocket engine when actually they're using one of those pedals, you know, that take those little, um, um, what you call them? I want to call them a gondola, but they're not. Those pedal boats. Yeah, pedal boat is what mm-hmm. I'd call it, but yeah, a peddler I have a funny name, peddler probably, yeah, a little peddler. So yeah, so you know what I mean. Like so, for the Venusian part, I find that they're not used to creating symphonies, and to me, Venus is very much that symphony. She's all of those sounds coming together to that perfect crescendo, that that is what she is capable of you know to kind of start to unpick her there is actually you know um mercury is more icarus you know or tartarus or one of those people that has meticulously engineered everything
0: um, mercury you often get distant? so scientists are very distant because you break things down. You're not actually dealing with recipes. Well, you're a scientist, as they're dealing with formulas, they're dealing with computer programs, where they type numbers and equations in, and are very distant, but work on such a minute, you know, thing. With Venus, it is a case of filling you up. It is a current that you bask in you swim in it is a swimming pool that you jump into and find how to swim how to tread water how to splash people all that sort of thing so that with mercury and venus you have a big difference between the type of practitioner the type of person with mercury is very much a distance It's, it's very logical it's very i need to get my head around all of the individual cogs in this clockwork machine and even if the cogs aren't moving i need to know what that cog does and why and why it would move and why it wouldn't move venus is fuck the cogs fuck that i want to literally i don't care i don't want to see necessarily a result and if i do it needs to be very specifically basic I need to get, if you've ever watched children with poster paint smearing stuff everywhere, they don't, they say, I'm gonna draw a picture of mummy and daddy. What they don't do is they don't go, here's this, here's that, they get and they go all over and then they start to, Kh-kh. you know, you're, you let the current fr- flow through you, okay? It is like paragliding, that is, whereas the other approach is, the opposite is about control, so, People that are control freaks tends to like Mercury and get on very well with that, but people that like to surrender to energy and have it fill them up. Emotional magic is your go-to stereotype for, for a Venus, you know? And if you were to do something simple, so there's a simple spell that I, should be probably doing at the moment, which is to get some pallets. I need some wooden pallets in order to build a compost bin. If I took a mercurial approach, it would be very logical and it would be detached from myself. So I might do some sigil magic. I might draw a sigil, a pallet finding sigil or something like that. I might do that, design it to look kind of like a pallet and start putting it out there knowing that the energy that gets put into that sigil by people looking at it will use and suck in that energy in order to make palettes come to me, to attract palettes to me, right? Palette finding sigil. That is very mercurial because it's logical, detached from me. I'm not putting much into it. I'm setting the dominoes in motion and then they're colliding and going, you know, clockwork, wind it up. I've put all the cogs there and it's going. If I was to do that in a more of a Venus shaped, Kind of approach. It would be I want to embody and pull in the energy of that. And I am going to churn it around like mouthwash. I drink the mouthwash, I churn it around in my mouth and I spit it out. Very much venusian magic a lot of people would take that approach of pulling in raising pulling in energy programming it by jostling it around inside of them knowing what they want to accomplish even if they don't necessarily know exactly how they want it they know what they want and then releasing it in many forms you have got that weather type of magic the ocean all of these kind of crescendos are very venusian not very mercurial they're very elemental in their you know in their flows and ebbs and stuff like that and combining spells together with stuff like that is what you don't tend to see people because they go by their biases and I think what Chris you're trying to do is you're trying to peel back the layer you're trying to say okay you understand the spell casting triangle you understand this from psychology you understand this a little bit from magic you understand a couple of bits and pieces but now Trying to tie that together, I think he's drawn a sigil there. I can kind of see it. Let me load it up a little bit quicker.
1: Yeah. I was just thinking p- people would. No, it's fine. I was thinking people would kind of go, but they were talking about knots.
0: Yeah. Um, so tie sure. together, which is that you've drawn a triangle and a triquatra and Venus, Mercury, and Luna. Yeah, because what do knots tell? Entangled there's, there's your
1: triangle within a triangle.
0: Yeah, triangle within a triangle. It's a shame no one's going to be able to see it, Chris, other than me, unless they use their. Well, I was thinking
1: because <laughs> I'm planning. Because I'm planning said lecture. Obviously, yeah. I've got pretty drawing. Yeah. Oh, I do like of, of me planets. I'm thinking. I now need a pl- pretty drawing for me for me triangles yes so and they'll love
0: a triquetra won't they so you know Oh, they'll love a triquetra yeah they love it very charmed and this whole celtic kind of thing is coming back in in it (sighs)
1: so you know so so there's me knots just so that people don't judge us for the fact we haven't mentioned a knot yet um Obviously, we assumed it was implied by the fact this is a continuation of chord number one from uh, from the weaving planets. But, you know, just in case people needed
0: it to be a bit more literal. So we've got about nine, ten minutes left we haven't got a huge amount of time in which to discuss something but is there anything we need to hammer home or is there can we peel a little bit deeper where is it you want to go because we've stuck to the lowest triangle triangle of manifestation things that are in balance make for the perfect and strongest manifestation and the most strongest magical practitioner for lower forms of magic lower forms of magic being trying to affect the physical plane physical alterations i suppose we should ask people how they themselves are unbalanced which one do they fall into are they more mercury are they more lunar are they more venus are they a little bit of both because i could name a, several magical practitioners that we mentor that have their biases and they only view spell casting through that specific or those specific lenses mm. and the yeah they're yet to really, despite being told numerous times, break out of looking at things from another lens. Instead, they look at that thing through the lens of their bias. So kind of like if I need to wear glasses and then I need safety goggles, I keep my glasses on, but I put the safety goggles over the top. You know, they're maintaining their bias but actually looking at their bias through their bias, if that makes sense. Whereas actually shedding it and going through a different approach often isn't practical, but is extremely necessary. Is not practical because why would you go about doing something in a way that you're no good at? If I'm a sculptor that's really good with clay, am I suddenly gonna start using oil on canvas? Computer or a computer or something like that, you know, is a different discipline. And I'd have to go essentially back to square one if I'm a sculptor or I draw or paint. Sorry. And now I need to learn some computer program like Gimp or Photoshop or something to do something It is like starting back at square one. I've got a certain level of understanding, yes, composition, magical practice, whatever it is. But at the same time, the actual underpinning skills, I'm not used to. I'm used to using my hands with a paintbrush, not a mouse.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of I know we've planned, which is where we'll probably pick this back up. as I know we have planned one that was going to be a Mercury versus Venus mm. um, episode where we kind of talk about our own imbalances. But I kind of think it's maybe this is a good place, like you say to mention how some of those biases manifest um, because obviously that brings it back to where we started which is the manifestation triangle and the um, and the spell triangle lining up with each other um, is that kind of aspect of you know we normally use the triangle to kind of go okay well take apart your spell what you just did and tell me is this triangle balanced have you balanced the equation um which i know is a very mercurial approach of ours um but is very kind of you know actually getting them to go okay was there enough power did you did you have a strong focus and actually did you consider the journey it would take um and did all those three things line up in order for that spell to actually manifest the way it should have manifested and you'll get some don't we that were always power orientated the kind Mm -hmm. of very venetian individuals who will just kind of try and force their way through a spell um by overpowering it
0: they want to swim they want to swim, yeah. they, want to, they want all of that energy inside themselves, and at the, at the end of the day, they haven't got that ability to be able to maintain connection to those energies, nor can they have those energies. So they are limited by how much mouthwash they can put in their mouth. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and churn about and spit back out again, which means that yes, some of them can manifest things, but there's a limit to their manifestations. And what they think is they think, well, you know, I've learned a slightly different technique. I've done the chubby bunny cheeks and I've gone, and puffed out so I can fit more mouthwash in my mouth. But what they're still not understanding is, yeah, you've got a little bit more mouthwash in your mouth, but you're not going to be able to fit a gallon or 10 liters in your mouth, are you? No, you need to learn a different technique now. You need to start learning how to swallow for example you need to start learning another approach you don't have to keep mouthwash in your mouth you can store it in a bottle (laughs) and the biases (laughs) that we're talking about showing I have thought of a number of ones where we get them to fill out those simple questions with regards to planets and elements and emotions and that where we say would you if you give this planet a gift what would it be and the ones that pop up with well I don't like this planet for a start they say I don't like this one I don't like that one or they'll say yeah. this planet needs to change and that is when you highlight a serious imbalance because you understand <laughs> that they don't understand the planet they don't like it and their idea of Saturn for example is to stop Saturn from being Saturn because they don't like Saturn so their yeah. gift is something like tell it to lighten up or something you know I don't like the dark. The darkness is too dark. I'm going to give it the gift of light. It's like oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, I just like I said, we just that's where we see that kind of imbalance and we work on it. Like we know and we which is why that whole ex- episode will come is we are both very aware of our natural leanings. Mm. Um but ultimately we know that because we know that we compensate Yeah. when it comes to spell practice and it comes to ritual work or it comes to self-development you compensate for that fact of kind of going i know i'm weak there so i need to actually compensate for the fact that it needs that energy to be there and i'm not capable of putting it there so how do i compensate for it Um, I also find some of those are the same people that aren't very good with not using themselves. So I find a lot of the Venusian-leaning ones, just to pick on my own kind, are not very good at going, okay, I'm going to do this whole spell work without my own energy. Um, You know, and that kind of, I'm not going to have any interaction with it Um, And they're not able to put the gloves on and do the science experiment from the mercurial point of view where they can reach in with the gloves on in the protected hazard mask, mess around with all the, you know, the uranium um, and stay safe and not touch it. So actually be from that kind of outside perspective. Mm -hmm. And then you also get those that obsess in the kind of lunar realm where they are so obsessed with the journey that they never have enough power or enough
0: idea or focus to get anywhere. And those are Uh, the ones that struggle the most. uh, (laughs) And they say, oh, but the journey's changing because lunar is constantly changing. The journey's changing. It's like now I'm throwing this entire spell out because it's gone slightly differently and I'm starting again and I will have me my perfect manifestation. And that's like going on (laughs) a go-kart and instead of... a pulling on the string or going on the little steering wheel to go in a slightly different direction saying I'm going to start at the top of the hill again and next time I'm going down in a straight line and we know that doesn't happen because the nature of something that constantly changes and ebbs and flows we need to understand how to steer the ship we need to know the direction but we need to be able to steer the ship and this is what many spellcasters are crap at how many people program into their spells an ability for that spell to change and warp according to the journey you know they don't it is like tennis well i've let that ball go it's going in that direction what if the target moves well tennis ball just goes where you throw it but that is not the good spell casting it's just not anyway we'll leave it there for this edition of the no horse bar witchcraft podcast goodbye And good luck, I should say, with your spellcast then.